Are you a worrier? If so, what kind of worrier are you? Are you that worrier who worries about things you can control or the things you can't? Are you a what-if worrier? You know, what if someone finds out about this? What if I lose my job? What if my kids make that bad choice? Or are you more of a how-will worrier? How will I pay for that? How will we deal with this situation we're going through? Or perhaps you're the third kind of worrier who worries about the things you said yesterday, the things you've done in the past, or the things that you might do up ahead as you go down the road of life. I think everybody worries sometimes, but some of us have certain defaults towards one kind of worry or another. For me, I'm a a little bit of a a what-if worrier with a a twinge of the how-will worry in different areas. In some areas, I'm very secure and don't worry about much at all, but there's other areas where I seem to get stuck with my tires spinning in the mud of worry. And worry has always been there for all of us, and for some, it's a significant issue as we wrestle through things like anxiety disorders and big changes in life. For many of us, we deal with it on the daily, but in smaller doses. And then there are those few, oh, those lucky few who can manage to get through life without worrying too much at all. But whether you're a big-time worrier or a little worrier, there is a good chance that over this last year, you have seen increasing amounts of worry. And that's no surprise. In fact, I read a report by Mental Mental Health Research Canada that came out in January about the state of our mental health in response to 2020. And unsurprisingly, it said to us that there is an increase in anxiety, depression, and other sorts of mental health-related issues. There's an increase in worry, said one of the researchers, reporting on the fact that people just seem more worried about all the different things that are happening in the world, not just pandemic, but the social upset with the potential blurry, unclear future of where so many things are heading in our society and our life. Things got so significant for over 1.5 million Canadians that they went to go seek diagnoses and were found to have different severe anxiety disorders. We're stressed out. We're at our max. Many of us are very anxious because of this past year and as we look forward not knowing what's next. And that's why I'm thankful for the teaching of Jesus that we're going to look at today. Now as we look at it, I'm, I'm not going to lie, it's a bit of a tough pill to swallow. It is one of those things that's just a, a little bit difficult to work through. Jesus is going to tell us, do not worry. But sometimes when I hear that, I, I think about it going over about as well in my own heart and mind as when someone tells me, calm down when I'm angry. I mean, have you ever told someone to calm down when they're angry? It doesn't go over so well. Let alone does it go over pretty well to say, hey, just don't worry about that when someone's stressed out. But as much as it's a difficult passage to wrestle through, I think it is good for us. 
For me, this passage that we're going to read today in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 34, uh, for me has been a really good passage because over the last number of weeks, I've gone through some stressful situations. What's happened over the last couple of weeks is that my family has sold our townhouse to buy a bit of a bigger home so we could move my parents into a suite with us. Now, anyone who's done any form of real estate transaction knows that buying and selling a house is difficult, let alone in our current sort of real estate climate. And then you're matching up two families' needs and desires and trying to get it to fit, whatever house to fit perfectly for both of us. Now, we're fortunate that we ended up having God orchestrate something for us that has just worked out to be the most perfect of situations. But I would be lying to you if I said that I was perfectly holy and I never worried and I made it through without stressing because the truth of the matter is there were times that I was stressed. There were times when it was difficult to sleep. There were difficult things as we went through this process. And so for me, as I came to prepare the message today, it was awesome for me to look back and reflect on what I'd gone through because it pointed out some places where I need to grow, some places where I need to learn to trust in God for his provision, where I need to trust in him to lead the way. And so for me, I have seen how this passage can help me grow. And so today, I hope it helps you grow too. So if you've got your Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34, where we read Jesus say this. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body or what you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, in all of his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass in the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you will need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So here we see that Jesus is talking particularly about the worries of tomorrow, of what's coming next, of what's down the road, and will we have enough? Will we have what it takes to get through? And this comes to us in Uh, The Sermon on the Mount is Jesus has been talking about what it looks like to live as followers of Jesus. He's also just come out of what we looked at last week where he's talked about storing up our treasures and where we focus our heart, that's where, or where we focus our mind, that's where our heart will be also. And so here he sort of continues down the line because he knows that as he teaches this, 
people who are worriers will wrestle with the teaching more. The question I guess we have then is, but why is that such a big deal? Like what's the big problem with worry that Jesus took time in the middle of his greatest teaching to say, hey, don't worry and pay attention to this instead? Well, if we look at it within the context that I just mentioned, we can see that there's actually one significant challenge that Jesus is trying to face. One thing that worry does that poses a problem for us as his followers. As well, I think there's another reason that we can see that's tied into sort of the broader context of the Sermon on the Mount. And the two problems that I see from this passage, from the context of the sermon, are the fact that worry divides our minds and worry erodes our lives. Worry divides our minds and worry erodes our lives. What's interesting, when Jesus says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, in verse 25, the word for worry there is a compound of two Greek words, which one means to divide and the other means mind. So when Jesus is saying, do not worry, he's actually saying, do not have a divided mind. Worry has this really interesting ability to divide our mind into two. When we're supposed to be focusing on one thing, if we're worried, we actually reside in part, at least, somewhere else. If you're worried about some meeting that's coming up in the future, maybe your finances and where things are going, as you go through your workday, you know that you're going to be thinking over here just as much as what's in front of you on the computer screen. Worry has the ability to rob us of present time moments. And Jesus has a concern with this because Jesus all along through the Sermon on the Mount has been telling us as his followers to be attentive to him in the moment. He's told us to do away with other things that distract us or derail us from following him in the ways of his kingdom. And he says worry is another one of these things that divides us away from where I'm calling you to go. Max Lucado, as he wrote about this passage, wrote this. He says, anxiety splits our energy between today's priorities and tomorrow's problems. Now, if you're like me, I think you would agree that you only have enough energy for one day at a time. And so the question is, how will I spend that energy? Where will I focus my mind? Will I focus on here and now and what I'm supposed to be doing or then and what is to come? Worry divides our mind, but it also erodes our lives. You know, worry has a very real physical consequence. If you look into the symptoms of worry and how it affects our lives, we can find from medical professionals that when we live in an increased state of anxiety, 
will end up having higher blood pressure, which leads to different cardiac issues. It can actually mess up our digestive system. It can cause migraines and lead us towards thyroid issues. Many of us have experienced this in one way or another, where we're really stressed out and worried about something, and we just get that pounding headache, or we have difficulty eating, and we can just go back to the comfort food, because it's all we seem to be able to digest. I think a lot of us have gone along through different situations with our, our work or our kids or our finances or something that we're doing at school. Maybe it's exam season. And, and we go through those stretches and we just find our bodies feel like they're wasting away. It's because worry starts to erode our lives. Now, not only does it erode us physically, but it can take away and diminish us relationally and emotionally. There's all sorts of research on this as well, but one of the best summarizations of this I found was in the book Making All Things New by Henry Nouwen, where he wrote this. He wrote, beneath our worrying lives, something else is going on. While our minds and our hearts are filled with many things and we wonder how to live up to the expectations imposed on us by ourselves and others, we have a deep sense of unfulfillment. While we're busy with and worried about many things, we seldom feel truly satisfied, at peace, or at home. When we're worried, we're less satisfied with what's going on in the present. We're less satisfied with ourselves. Maybe we feel inadequate. Maybe we feel like there's just never enough. We're, we're dissatisfied with other people. Maybe, why, why can't those people help me? Where is that connection that I need? Why doesn't someone understand me? We, we, we find ourselves maybe distant from those that we're even closest to when we're worried. Worry divides our minds and it erodes our lives. And so this goes against the very things that Jesus has been teaching. All through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has been setting up this, this grand teaching which points towards one thing, that God wants to be worshipped. He wants his name known. But he wants it known through two things. Through his people being wholly devoted in mind, heart, body, energy, everything towards seeing his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he wants his name known by his people living flourishing lives. So what does worry do? It robs us and it robs his name of being worshipped because it takes our attention, divides it, takes our energy, and splits it up between today and tomorrow, all the while chewing us up inside. And so Jesus says, you've got to stop. You've got to stop worrying about tomorrow. Stop worrying about tomorrow. Like, how do we do it? I mean, I don't think any of us wants to worry. I don't think any of us enjoys going through seasons where we just stew over every little thing about the future. I mean, it wears us down. So, so we say, Jesus, you want me to stop, but how? How do I stop worrying about tomorrow? Because tomorrow's coming. Well, Jesus gives us a couple illustrations and a focal point within the next few verses. 
So let's start by looking at these two illustrations that he gives us. And the first illustration is in verse 26 and 27, where we see he he gives us this picture of, of food and life and birds. He says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? I don't know if if you ever think this way, but sometimes I look at birds and think they're pretty carefree creatures. I mean, I like to go for walks pretty regularly with the dog around Mill Lake. And if you go around Mill Lake, there's always birds. There's these eagles who soar over. There's always geese. And we won't talk about them because I hate geese. But we, we got these geese and we got these ducks and we got these wrens and we got all sorts of different birds. There's stellar jays and robins and There's birds all over the park. And what's really neat is as they go around, they just seem to be carefree. The eagles are soaring up high. The ducks are just bobbing along in the water. Maybe you'll see a few birds hop along the grass looking for a worm. But either way, you just see these carefree birds. And they don't seem too worried about tomorrow because they've got enough of what they need for today. They'll fish and swim, they'll fly, they'll nest, and that's all they really need. You never see a fish or a bird catching fish and storing it in a barn or grabbing a whole bunch of worms and hoarding them to themselves on their little park bench. No, they just don't need to worry. Now, as Jesus gives this teaching, he's not advocating for us to never plan ahead and never prepare for the future. That would be a misreading of this passage. What Jesus is trying to do is point out a truth that we need to grab onto, which by focusing on it can help us to not worry quite so much. And the point that Jesus is trying to make is this, that God provides for creation. And Jesus is saying, come on, look at the birds. They don't seem to worry all that much. And if Jesus provides for them, how much more valuable are you? Clearly, he's going to provide for you. Jesus wants us to remember in our worry that God is in control and that he is the provider of good things. So whenever we look at a soaring eagle, whenever we see a robin hopping along looking for a worm, we should see God's design for creation and the care of the creatures within it. And we, as those most valuable creatures, should be reminded that we need not worry for the future. Now, some of us might say, yeah, but what about the big things? Well, for the big things, for those significant worries, I would encourage you to look to the cross. In Romans 8.32, it says this, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? You know, as Jesus came and he taught us not to worry, he also became the reason we no longer need to worry about the necessities of life. Because when Jesus came, he sacrificed himself for the penalty that you and I deserve. He died for our sins so that we could have life 
for eternity with him. Jesus took care of the most significant of all the burdens that we would face in our lifetime, in an eternity, which was the spiritual debt that we had with God. And he paid it. He canceled the penalty. He dealt with it so that we, through confession, through turning our lives towards him, could have eternal life with the God who loves us, who wants to provide us for, provide for us for now until eternity. Everything we need in this life can be uh, summed up. The, the deal has been done through what Jesus has accomplished. And so when we say, hey, but what about the big things in life? We need to remember, but what about the biggest thing in life? It's dealt with because of Jesus. So that puts into, into context all the other things that we might worry about. The cross is a powerful place, and not only is it the place where our sins go to die with Jesus, but it's also the place that our worries should come to their knees. Jesus provides. God provides for us. And so Jesus goes on, and he gives us another illustration. In verses 28 to 32, we see he gives us this illustration that touches on this idea of, of flowers and clothes in our faith. He says, and why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the fields grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Again, springtime in Abbotsford is a, a great way for us to understand this passage. I mean, Abbotsford is full of beautiful tulips at this time of year. And as you go to different parks and stuff, you also see all these different wildflowers growing. You can see beautiful fields of, of green grass when that rain comes down upon our city. As we look out and see all that, we can be reminded of the care of God. Just look at the beauty. Whether you look at it all collectively or you even look at a single individual flower, it's amazing to see God's plan, his design, his care of attention to clothe, even something like grass, which is incredible, incredibly beautiful. I mean, a beautiful grassy lawn looks so great, and, and it's just something that's going to get mowed up. We're going to see these beautiful trees in all their splendor with their bright green leaves filled with chlorophyll, which one day will fall and will take the broken branches and will burn them and will rake the leaves and compost them. And, and Jesus says, if this is what God has done for these plants that will just become lawnmower clippings and, and, and fire starter, how much more then will he care for you? You know, as I think about this, I, I've thought about the simple idea that sometimes when we're stressed out, we just need to go for a walk. I know that can sound simple. It can sound silly, maybe almost trite to say, hey, when you're stressed out, go for a walk. 
But what I'm saying is not just go for a walk for going for a walk's sake, but go for a walk to remind you of God. When we go for a walk, we have an opportunity to move throughout our community and see all sorts of displays of God's provision and his care. If you were worried and you went to Mill Lake or Aldergrove Park or you went and did the dike walk, you would have an opportunity to put yourself in context of the greater whole of what God is doing in our world. As we go and we walk in those places, we're able to see the beauty, the majesty of who he is. We're able to see all the fine care and detail that God has put into the smallest of things. And so when we go for a walk, we have an opportunity to see, wow, if this is what God does for this creation, what will he do for me? We want to take care of our worry so that we can be solely focused on him. Jesus gives another piece of advice as he goes on, though. In verse 34, he says, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I think this would be a good little mantra for us to carry around, for us to say to ourselves, even as we go for that walk in life, to just go around and saying, I'm not going to worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Jesus says, meet today's problems with today's strength and deal with tomorrow's problems tomorrow. You know, sometimes people, I I think, question God's intelligence in this. They question if Jesus really knows what he's doing. But if we understand the promises of God throughout Scripture, we will see that Jesus knows exactly what he's saying. I heard one writer say say it like this. He said, God promises to be a lamp to our feet, not a crystal ball for the future. And I like that, that God is a lamp for our feet, but not a crystal ball for the future. You know, sometimes when we're worried, the biggest problem that's actually happening is we're not trusting that God is far enough ahead of us. We don't trust that God is down the road waiting to meet us there. And so we start to get stressed out. We start to get anxious about what is to come. But but what Jesus is saying is, I'm not here for you just then. I'm here for you now. And I'm going to provide for you in the here and now. Remember when Jesus taught us to pray just a few verses earlier, he said, ask God for his daily bread. And we talked about how that mirrors this fact that God wants his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So God will provide for us what we need for today so that he can get us day by day to the place we want to go in the future. I think that this area of worry is one of the most significant areas for many of us in our discipleship. It's a, it's a growth point we need to press into. You know, when we're worried, we really betray where we don't trust God. If you're always worried about your finances, there's a pretty strong chance that you don't trust that God's going to help you get through day by day from now 
until whenever that next point is. When we worry about our family, we don't trust in the sovereignty of God and that he will come and take care of them. That he will lead them and guide them just as much as he will lead and guide us. God invites us to surrender our worry over to him because he wants us to recognize his kingdom and authority. He wants us to understand and recognize his power and his sovereignty. When we worry, we can't do these things, which is why he gives us these illustrations, this teaching, this advice. He says, I want you to frame your mind understanding what is true. And so we have these illustrations, we have this message of advice. The question is, how do we implement it into our lives? And the way that we implement this into our lives is simple. We listen to what Jesus said in verse 33. Jesus says this, he says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus says if you're worried, if you're divided, if you don't know if you can trust God for the future, what I actually encourage you to do is chase after him. Chase after what he has for you and for the world. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. How do we do that? Well, one of the ways I can think about that is to pray, 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 pray. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. In 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7, it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him. Be care because he cares for you. One of the things we can do to seek God's kingdom, to seek right living, is to talk to him about him, to ask him for it, to receive and hear from him in prayer. We have an ongoing conversation with the one we need to trust. And let me tell you, doing that works Praying has real impact on our lives. I, I, I can tell you, as we went through the, the buying and selling of home process, it's what got me through things. There were so many times where I would have this worry that would well up, and it was when I would come to God and say, God, I know that, that you have a plan for our lives, but I can't see it right now. God, I, I don't know where you want us living, who you want us ministering to in our neighborhood. God, I don't know even what neighborhood that should be. So Lord God, I need you. <clears throat> I need to trust you. I need you to reveal things to me. I need you to give me patience and peace and understanding. And what's incredible is every time that I, I went to God like that, there were times where Amy and I would pray or we'd pay, pray with my parents or, or I would just pray on my own. And, and, and every time that one of those interactions of prayer took place, what was incredible is this sense of peace, this sense of trust, this opportunity to see things with clarity. There were times where God revealed little pieces to us. It wasn't the whole picture. It wasn't what was going to be weeks down the road, but he revealed little pieces, enough to get us through day by day. 
Prayer is this incredible tool that we have. It's this way for us to take our divided minds and align them to focus on what God wants alone. The other thing that I think is a real practical way of seeking God's kingdom, of seeking his righteousness, is is to focus on others and, and, and being a part of bringing about God's will in their lives and being used by God to accomplish things in our world. I have found that when I serve others in need, when I give towards important causes where God is moving, when I participate in in praying and, and lifting up others in their need, I find that in those moments, my worry diminishes because things become within context. No longer am I the center of the world, but God's the center of the world. Others are lifted up as just as important as myself, and when all that comes into context, it helps me deal with the worry of tomorrow. If we would only seek God's kingdom come, if we would only push forward and live like we wanted to see his will be done, that we were participating in it, we would see the worries of our life diminish. Now as I say that, I recognize that some of us have a long way to go in this. Some of us, myself included, will have big worries because there's big places where we wrestle with God and, and want to see answers, but we haven't seen them yet. And, and I know that listening to this message probably won't solve all of that, but I think some of the practical steps that we can take will begin to undo that worry that's rooted deep in our lives. If we look around us at God's creation and start to study his provision and care, if we begin to focus on others and, and focus on expanding God's kingdom in our world, if we continually talk and speak to the God of all creation, it can begin to unroot the worry and anxiety within. Now I know also that there's going to be some who listen to this message and you're going to say, Kyle, you can't understand. There's just so much that I'm carrying. And I recognize that. I, I know that I can't understand the, the, the burden that everyone carries. I know that there's people in our church who are hurting right now. People who are carrying incredible amounts of pain and worry. And, and you know, I, I would love to come alongside you and, and pray with you and meet with you. But, but I know that that can only carry you so far because I know that you nor I can carry the weight of it. But there is one who can. Jesus. Jesus can carry the weight of of our worry. Jesus has carried the weight of the sin of the world and he says, I want you to take your worry, I want you to take your baggage and your burdens and I want you to load them on me so that your life would be light, so that you would be able to praise my name, so that you would be freed up to accomplish more of my kingdom, more of my will in your own life and in the world. If you are listening to this today, I want you to know that yes, God wants to seek the fullness and perfection of his kingdom, but never forget the fact that you are part of that kingdom. As God cares for the health of the culture of his people, he cares for the health of you 
God loves you. He wants to help remove your worries. He wants to take your baggage. He wants you to be set free so that you can praise his name. This is a truth we must learn to receive. We must fight against what our heart and our minds tell us. Don't worry about tomorrow, for God will meet you there to worry about it when it comes. But for today, worry about what's got in front of you, what God is doing with you. And may we see his kingdom come, his will be done in your life as it is in heaven. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. God, I, it, it's a challenge. And God, I know for myself that there are so many places where, where worry can get in the way, where, where being anxious about certain things can just totally distract me from everything that I, I should be doing and I should be focusing on. And God, I, I feel the toll that it can take on my heart, my mind, and my body. And Lord God, I surrender that over to you. God, I pray for our church where we surrender the things that we are worrying about over to you. And God, it feels like there's so much to worry about. God, whether it's the pandemic or, or all the social stuff that's going on, all the economic stuff that's going on, whether it's, it's just our own families and, and taking care of them and seeing that uh, our kids grow and our, our, our parents and our grandparents be healthy and all those kind of things. Lord God, it can feel like such a, a weight. And God, it, it just feels like there's so much to worry about. But Lord God, would you help us to learn to trust you in that? Would you help us to understand that that is not our weight to carry, but yours? God, would you help us to focus instead on the things that you would bring before us? the opportunities that we have to make your name be known, the places that we have, the opportunity to expand your kingdom in our own lives and in the lives of those around us. And God, would we press into those things, not worrying about the other. God, would you help us to continually look to your cross to see that as the main provision point from which we can learn to trust you. And Lord, we thank you for the fact that you went to the cross and died for us. Jesus, we thank you that you love us so incredibly much that you would take on everything that we should be worried about and Lord, that you dealt with that so that we could be free to receive who you are. Holy Spirit, strengthen us. Guard our hearts and our minds. Embolden us to be people of faith who press into a world full of worry and bring the good news that there is a God who wants to deal with those very things. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for who you are, for what you've accomplished. Now help us to follow you. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.